You sure do look good this morning. You look good this morning. We all look good. Praise the Lord. Love the Lord. I guess it's been over ten years or so since I've been in this church. Many, many moons back. A lot of water over the dam, I guess, since then. As he said, my name is Glenn Potts. My wife is Shirley Diane. My oldest, oldest daughter attended Asbury and graduated from Asbury. She lives in uh, Nicholasville, Kentucky. Her name is Glenda Diane. And then Stephanie Diane attended Asbury, graduated from Asbury. She lives in Kingston, Tennessee. And then I have a son, Brian, Di- I mean, Brian Glenn. And uh, he lives in Lexington. He's a fireman there. We have seven wonderful grandchildren. And I can say truthfully, my children have never given me a problem. That's not easy to say, is it, nowadays? Through their teen years, I think the hardest thing I've ever had to deal with as a uh, father is uh, a son took up that cold snuff there for a while. And that, that's the roughest thing I've ever had to deal with. God has blessed me. Uh, I lived a rough life. You need to hear my testimony sometime. Uh, wrong side of the track, I guess you might say. People thought I'd end up in prison, not preaching the gospel. But I tell you, God broke the mold. And God broke that circle when He saved my soul and made my family different. They did no longer follow the path that all the potsies were following prior to me. God broke the mold. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before Him. Heaven and earth adore Him. And there's absolutely nothing too hard for God. Once again, we're going to pray, and then we're going to turn to the Word. I'm going to do something this morning that I, I, I really don't do in revivals. It's, it's teaching, preaching. Okay? Is that alright? And I don't know how I'm going to do with this. Alright? I might fall flat on my face. If I do, don't laugh at me. Because I, I get kind of animated, and I've prayed about this, and I've asked God to help me. Because a lot of times, I'd be out there standing in the pew with you preaching. And some of you from Westmoreland and other places that are here knows that. I get very active when I'm preaching. That's just my personality. So I'm going to ask the Lord to confine me up here, okay? And I'm going to do my best to try to stay up here. And we're going to go through the Word of God. You know, the Word of God is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of a person's heart. Amen. I can't do any better today than give you the Word of God. And my prayer is this. The Bible says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Everything we receive from God, everything you have ever received from God, comes by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I want you to receive His Word today. Amen? It might be a little different. I don't know. It all depends on your background. But it is the Word of God. And if you will receive the Word, along with the Word, you will receive the faith 
to receive what the Word is talking about. And that sets my soul on fire. Amen? Now let's pray once again. Father God, we approach You the only way that we can, and that is by the shed blood of Your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, You said, Call unto me, and I will answer Thee. And show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. In other words, Lord, you said you'd put it down on the bottom shelf where we could reach up and get a hold of it. We're asking you to do that today. Illuminate our understanding. Give us a, 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 a will to hear. Give us an anointing, not just in the pulpit, but in the pew. Because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke and sets the captives free. Your Word, O oh God, is powerful. Your Word is a fire. Your Word is a hammer, O oh God. And we preach it today under the anointing that You give, and we know it will not return unto You, boy. Come, Holy Spirit, breath of heaven, Holy God, and breathe on us today. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen. <clears throat> I'm going to start out with a story. And the story doesn't have anything to do with what I'm preaching. And the illustration does of the story. And that is in 2 Kings. And I don't think he's going to go to that up there. And that's all right. 2 Kings, the sixth chapter. There's an old bunch of prophets. I brought my axe with me today. Okay, I'm not going to swing it because I, I don't know if the wedge is in there good and tight. And if it goes off, some oh, it is a little loose. Some of you guys might need to get it, all right? But I, I brought this in in the in Second Kings. There's a group of prophets. They're the school of the prophets. They're young preachers, and they're with Elijah. Elisha, not Elijah, but Elisha. And they come to Elisha. One of them does, and he says to Elisha, he says, uh, where we dwell, where we're having school, where the college is of the prophets, he said, it's, it's mighty small. And we're growing, Elisha, and we need more room. And he says, uh, <clears throat> would you mind if we went down to the Jordan River and felled some trees, cut some trees down, got some beans, and went and built a bigger place uh, so that we could have a place to stay? Elisha, Elisha said, that's okay, fine. Go ahead and do it. And they said, well, would you mind going with us? He said, well, now I don't know if he said this or not, but I can imagine him saying, well, yeah, I'll go with you, but I don't know if I'll do any chopping. But I'll go with you, and I'll be there with you guys, and I'll fellowship with you while you're cutting it down. And, and so they went down to the Jordan River, and the Bible says they were felling trees and loading them up, getting ready to build. And all of a sudden, one of the axe men, as he swung his axe at the tree, the head of the axe flew off. I don't know. I guess he didn't check that wedge good enough or whatever, but the axe head flew off and it went flying out into the water and all he was left with is with the handle. Now, you don't mind if I do this because there's nothing going to go flying because it's already flown off. And it went off and it went into the Jordan River. And the young man cried out, he said, Alas, Master, he said, it was borrowed. And, and Elisha said, well, where did it fall? 
And he says it fell out there along where that rock is on the other side. And that's the deepest part of the Jordan River. And, and Master, he says, it was a borrowed axe head. I went to someone and I pleaded with them. And I said, you know, we're going to build a place for the man of God and for the men of God to learn the Word of God. And I need help. I can't do it myself. I don't have the utility. I don't have the strength. I don't have the tools. And he said, here, take my axe and use it. He said, it was borrowed. And I am a student of it. I am a steward of it, in other words. He gave it to me to use for a particular purpose, and it is gone. The prophet said, well, where is it? And he showed him where it was. And then the Bible says that he went, he cut a branch down out of a tree, and the old prophet of God went over, and I imagine he did it like a javelin or something, I don't know, sharpened the end of it, and he threw it, boom, right in there where the axe head was. Now, back over in Tennessee, Murfreesboro area, where I was born, we had double-bladed axes. How many of you know what a double-bladed axe is? You know, and, and they're, they're made different than these. And, and when you bring it up and you come down and you chop, if you're good at it, you know how to flip it. When you go back in the air, you know what I'm talking about. Those. You flip it around and then you come down again. You hit this side. And then you flip it and you come down and you hit that side and you got a wedge and now that wood just flies all over the place. I don't know if it was a double uh, bladed axe or not, but the Bible says that he threw it out there, that stick, and, and lo and behold, that axe head began to swim. Boy, I'd love to have been there, wouldn't you? I mean, it began to move its arms down in that muddy water and that old piece of metal there, uh, it got to moving around that iron and it began to swim up out there looking up and it could see a gleam of light coming down from above, shining down into the muck and the mire of the old Jordan River and it swam up uh, and Elisha said to the young man, he said, reach out your hand and retrieve it. And he reached out and he got a hold of it. And the Bible says they went on back and they built it. And I don't know what that story means. <laughs> but I preached it and preached it and preached it. And when I thought about what God laid on my heart today, I thought of that story. And this is why I thought of that story. You see, the world, our world, needs the Lord Jesus Christ. Our world, it has never been darker in the world. It has certainly never, to my knowledge, been darker in the good old U.S. of A. We're living in a troubled time, folks. Crowds are not building up at church, but crowds are dropping off at churches. They have been doing that for years. And you know, according to the Word of God, the church has the answer. We have what the world needs. We have the Lord Jesus Christ and He wants us to share Him with the world. The greatest thing the world needs is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the answer to every question that there is. And what the church needs is God the Holy Spirit. Hello somebody. What the church needs is the Holy Spirit of God. I feel for so long 
We've been beating with axe handles without a head. So long we've been working at it in our own strength. We've been trying to build. We've been trying to grow. We've been trying to add to the numbers. And we're using our PhDs. We're using our doctors of divinity. We're using our seminaries. We're using our Bible colleges. We're using philosophy. We're using everything else but the power of the Word of God anointed by the Holy Ghost of God. We need the Holy Spirit. Hello, somebody. And so I want to turn your attention to our Bible study this morning. And if that's true, it is true. The world needs to be reconciled to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus said in Mark's Gospel, the 16th chapter, and I don't know if he's going to have it up there or not, but he might. John does a good job back there. In Mark's Gospel, the 16th chapter, in the 15th verse, Go ye into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. Amen? That go ye is for you. That go ye is for me. He said in Matthew 28, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. How are we doing at that? Amen? Really, how are we doing at that? <clears throat> Doesn't look to me like we're tearing the world up, does it? It looks like the world's tearing the church up. Making fun of the church. Ridiculing the church. One whole political party is removing God from everything. Amen? Turning their back on God. Signs. The kids are walking around carrying them. Take God out of California. We don't want God here. Because they don't see the power in the church. They don't see the fire in the church anymore. Years ago, I was down in Florida and we went out to, uh, I think it's, what is it, Cape Canaveral out there. And they had the space shuttle. Was getting ready to launch it in a few days. And I had my family with me and I wanted to see that. And we were on the bus going out. And as we were going out, all of a sudden the bus just kind of went sideways a little bit. And I looked up and I looked back. And everybody was on that side of the bus looking out the window. I was looking ahead and there was a space shuttle up there. Now, I don't know if it was making a noise or not, but it was some kind of white looking stuff. I, I don't know. It looked like a frost or whatever, you know, white stuff puffing out of it. You know what I mean? Like it was a beast getting ready to take off, just growling, you know. And I was interested in that. But lo and behold, I looked out where everybody else was gazing and there was a fire way out in the field. And I thought, here we are going to see the space shuttle. This powerful piece of equipment that's going to go up into space. And we're wanting to look at a fire. I'll tell you why. Because fire attracts. If you want to see the church full, just get you some gasoline and set the church on fire. They might not be in here, but they'll be all over the place outside the church. Amen? People will gather to a fire. 
And I'm telling you, we have gotten away from the fire of God. We've gotten away from it. We've got six foot icicles in the pulpit and we've got frost in the pews. Whoa! Come on now. I'm just here to tell you the truth. I believe He's the answer. And I believe I know what the answer is for the church. It's not because I'm so old, though I'm gray-headed. It's not because I'm so wise and have a seminary. And I'm not against seminary. Don't get me wrong. I'm not against Bible colleges. I went to Bible college. But man cannot teach you to preach the Word of God. I had a great uh, uh, superintendent one time said, Brother Potts, he said, you don't need to go to seminary. He said, seminary has ruined a lot of good men. And it has. Amen. A lot of them are turning away from God and they're getting just as liberal and they don't believe the God. I don't have no more sense than believe the book. Amen. I believe the Word of God. And I'm not going to fool with anybody that doesn't. Amen. I believe this book. We need help. We need a leader. We need a guide. We need someone that knows. Jesus, when He ascended back up to heaven, do you know what the last words were that He said? That recorded in Luke. Bible study. Luke 24 and 49. Behold, I send the promise of My Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until ye are endued with power from on high. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry. You know what that word tarry means? Sit down. You know what that word endued means? Clothed. Don't go out naked. We got a lot of free Methodist preachers running around naked. Hello? A lot of streakers nowadays. Don't go out naked is what he said. Sit down. It was the commission. Lord, we've been in Bible college. We've sat at your feet for three years, over three years. We've watched you do miracles. We've heard your sermons. We've been saved. We've been cleansed. We've been washed. Oh, Lord, we're eager to go. You've sent us out to preach before. Why can't we go? He said, no, no, sit down. It's better off for you if I go to the Father. As a matter of fact, he said, it is expedient for you if I go to the Father. Because if I do not go to the Father, the Comforter will not come. When I go to the Father, I'm going to send the promise of the Father back to you. Amen? Hallelujah. Is there anything better than Jesus? Well, I think not But when the Holy Spirit comes, He comes to us as the Spirit of Christ. You see, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but He came down upon Jesus. And Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit without measure. You've got God the Father. You've got God the Son. You've got God the Holy Ghost. You've got the Old Testament. You've got the New Testament. You've got the last days with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. They're three, but yet they are one. It's the Trinity. 
Jesus was very God of God and very man of man. But when the Holy Spirit came, the third person of the Trinity, He came upon and inside of Jesus and He was personalized by the life of Christ. He took on the life of Christ. He took on the idiosyncrasies, if He had any, of the Lord Jesus Christ. He took on His grin. He took on His smile. He took on the way He stood when He pointed. He took on all the peculiarities of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when He comes back, He comes back, or He came back not to speak of Himself, but to speak of the Lord Jesus Christ. He came back to say, Jesus is still here in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is still here, but He's not just around you. He's inside of you. And I will bring Him alive on the inside of you. And I will see that you have the mind of Christ in you. Glory be to God! We need that person. He's the greatest friend you've never known. He's the greatest companion you've never known. He's real. He's a promise unto us. He's a gift to us. He's your inheritance. We need to receive Him. Amen? We need to receive Him. The promise of the Father was fulfilled. In Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost, it says when the day of Pentecost fully came, they were with all one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were seated, sitting, and then there appeared unto them divided tongues as of fire. There's that fire. And one set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Is that what it said? Now let me tell you something. Don't get hung up on that tongues. Will you listen to me? Shake your head with me. Please don't get hung up on that tongues. The devil has used that to keep the blessings of God out of many people's lives. The very thing that the church needs. The very power that the church needs. The very cutting edge that we need to do the work that Christ has called us from is kept from us because preachers have said it's of the devil, it's this and that. I know people who've been filled with the Holy Spirit who speak in tongues. And I know people who've been filled with the Holy Spirit that don't speak in tongues. Amen? In Acts 2, they spoke in tongues. In Acts 4, they spoke the Word of God with boldness. I long for the day that I can go into a liberal church and read Acts 2 where they spoke in tongues and something don't rise up within people. And then go into a Pentecostal church and preach where they were filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts 4 and they began to speak the Word of God with boldness and something doesn't rise up in them. Are you with me? Forget that part of it. Leave that part alone. It's Him we want. It's Him we need. It's His power. Glory be to God. Don't get hung up on that. If you do, you'll never be fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. The world needs Christ. We have Christ and we're commanded by Christ to share Him to the world. The problem is we can't. 
We absolutely can't in our own strength. Have you ever tried to do something in your own strength? When it comes to God, you can't. Do you know that God despises the flesh? I'm going to tell you something I've said many, many times. The Word of God can be summed up in two words. Two words. Flesh, spirit. Flesh, spirit. That which is of the flesh is flesh, and that which is of the spirit is spirit. And God hates the flesh. Adam and Eve, and I don't want to go down this road, but let me go down just a little rabbit chasing. Adam and Eve, after the fall, walked around demonstrating what man was like. And God said, I can't have you do that. You've fallen from the image of God and everything you're doing and saying, just presenting your life as a lie. That's a lie. I'm not like that at all. That's the flesh. God takes no pleasure, the Bible says, in another way, in the legs of a man. You have nothing to give God that He can use to do what He's doing. Are you with me? I said something like that one time in a room full of doctors, of theologians and everything. I said, God doesn't need anything we have to offer Him. And boy, they shuffled at me and I got some rough looking looks and everything. But you know it's true. God doesn't need anything. We can't help God out <laughs> There's no original thoughts. We can't help God out. What God wants us to do is surrender. God wants us to die. Amen? God wants us to plan our own funeral and die. Amen? When I went to that altar as a young man, I confessed my sins. I repented of my sins. I was weeping. I was shaking. God, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Son, this is your last opportunity, I stumbled out and went to that altar and I died. And God reached down and got the junk out of my heart and out of my life and reached back into the coffers of heaven and got Himself a handful of glory and flung it into my soul. My wife went to church that Sunday morning with one man, went home with another man and been living with the other man ever since. God changed my life. Oh. He's real, folks. He's real. And the promise of the Holy Spirit is ours. It's ours. Amen? John the Baptist said in 3.11 of Matthew, he said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John saw Jesus coming down the Jordan River, walking between the bulrushes, his head up high, walking like a man had never walked before, full of confidence. And John said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus got down into the water. John said, oh, I'm not worthy. <laughs> I'm not worthy. Suffer to be so, John, to fulfill all righteousness. John baptized the Lord Jesus Christ. You know the story. I'll share it with you. But listen to what Jesus said in Acts 1 and 5 concerning what John the Baptist said. Jesus said, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit 
not many days from now. Again, when this promise of the baptism came from our Lord Jesus Christ, we read Acts 2, 3, 4. Then there appeared unto them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. We've got a new expression there, Sister Donna. They've been talking about being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now he says, we were all filled with the Holy Spirit. That was the interpretation. Baptized with the Holy Spirit, he said, we were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Peter went to Cornelius' house. And uh, Peter is preaching to these Gentiles. And while he's preaching to these Gentiles, look what happens. Uh, And there are those of the circumcision with him. There are Jews that are there with him. And they were astonished because while he was speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all of them. And because the gift, he says, of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles, baptized with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, having the Holy Spirit poured out upon you, receiving the Holy Spirit as a gift of God. You see, synonymously, there's all kinds of terminology. Don't get hung up on the terminology, okay? I've had people say, well, that's Baptist, that's Methodist, that's Pentecostal. Ah, fooey! That's the Word of God. Amen? If you're not getting the Word of God, you need to do something. It's the Word of God, folks. Stand with God's Word. I tell people, I don't care if Mama taught it to me or what, I'll throw it out the window if I can't find it in the Word of God. Don't get hung up on tradition. Don't get hung up on what somebody's taught you all your life. Get in the Bible. Get in the Word of God. What does God's Word say? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We're not receiving today because we're not hearing what the Bible has to say about the subject. Come on. Hello. Peter went back to Jerusalem. And he said, i got to tell this story, brother, about what happened to the Gentiles. And when he got back to Jerusalem, Peter said in Acts 11, he said, I began to speak. And the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. He's going back to Pentecost. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that something? What John said, what Jesus said, is what happened to them. It's what happened to Cornelius' house. It's what happened on down in other places of the Bible. But of course it won't happen for us. Huh? There must be something different for us. They didn't have seminaries back then, Glenn. They didn't have all this stuff. We, you know, all this. Oh, Lord, help us. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Word of God. As a matter of fact, all you need is time, the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit. We can't teach anybody anything. It comes from the Spirit. 
Give people time. Amen. Don't put them down. Don't criticize them. Don't have your experience way up here and tell them they need to get up here where you are. Remember what you're going through. Remember your blessings and your pitfalls and your backslides. Give them time. Now I add another one to that in prayer. And give them the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Pray for me and I'll pray for you. You pray for me that, Lord, He receives everything you have for Him. And your pastor, I pray for you, Lord, that she or he would receive everything that God has for you. Isn't that what you want? That's what I want. That's all I want. When I came into the Free Methodist Church, they told me as a young preacher, they said, we will require nothing more nor less of you than the Word of God. And no one has ever told me what subject I should be preaching upon. No one. Amen. Peter distinctly calls the experience that came to Cornelius household being baptized with the Holy Spirit. So here we, we have it. The Holy Spirit failed. The same gift. The Holy Spirit was poured out. All used interchangeably. Baptized with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 19, they received the Holy Spirit. In Acts 19.6, the Holy Spirit came upon them. In Acts 2.38, the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Luke 24.49, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Now, what is the baptism with the Holy Spirit? What is it? Listen to me real careful. It is a definite experience. You will know whether you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You will know whether the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon you or not. You will know whether you have the gift of the Holy Spirit or not. If I come to you and say, have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And you say, well, I hope so. I'll tell you, you haven't. Are you listening to me? If you tell me, I think so, I will tell you, you haven't. We have this vagueness in the church today. I go to churches, used to be, Yvonne, uh, uh, Sister McQuarrie, it used to be, you'd hear people stand up and testify to a second and definite work of grace wrought in the heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. They would testify of the love of God. They would testify to perfect love. They would testify to a clean heart. I haven't heard a good testimony of heart purity in years. And I don't know if I've ever, since I was a young preacher, heard somebody stand up and testify to being baptized with the Holy Spirit. What's wrong? In one large church I went to, my daughter went to the Sunday school class, and the song leader, she come back and said, Daddy, in this, and I won't name the denomination, but they're no longer, no longer teaching in the denomination that it is a definite work. They've taken that away, and they're teaching it is a progressive work. You see, there is an instantaneous work of salvation whereby you know, you're not saved in degrees. You weren't born in degrees. <laughs> Plop, you came out. And born again. You're not born again in degrees. And you're not baptized. You're not sanctified wholly in degrees. 
It happens in a moment. It happens in an instant. Whereby you're sanctified wholly. And then it is followed by a life of walking in the light. As He is in the light. And you're being sanctified for the rest of your life. Why? Because you're not perfect in knowledge. Amen. You can be wrong in your head and right in your heart. You can be wrong in your actions and right in your head. The little girls went next door and pulled up the neighbor's flowers and brought them to Mama. Look, Mama, the dirt's still hanging off of them. Mama didn't whip them. They were right in their heart. They were wrong in their thinking. She went and made it right with the neighbor the next day, but she didn't whip her kids from doing that. You don't know the Word of God overnight. Hello? You don't know what's right and wrong overnight. The Holy Spirit revealed you can be cleansed in your heart in a moment. The June apple is not the October apple to be picked. But that June apple is nonetheless an apple. It is holy. Amen? And in your June relationship as an immature Christian, you are holy if you've been sanctified holy. You might not be an October Christian. You might not be right. He's still working on you, but you're holy. And if you die, you're going to heaven because without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Are you listening to me? I don't want to go teaching on something else right now, but the same way with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. You're baptized with the Holy Ghost. But there is a lifetime of feelings. I'm getting ahead, I guess. There's this vagueness. And I don't know whether people are scared that their pastor might think they're getting Pentecostal. I wish they'd never come up with that term. That just means 50th. Do you know that? That's all it means. That just means 50. They've twisted around. They've scared people to death. And God must be crying. Because He has banked everything in the church. Christ loved the church. Christ died for the church. As a matter of fact, over in Corinthians 1st, 12, there's a whole list of gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know what they're for? They're for the works of the ministry. You know what pastors are supposed to be doing? They're supposed to be equipping the saints for the works of the ministry. How can we equip anybody in our church for the works of the ministry if we deny the very person that wants to empower us for the ministry? Does that make sense? My Lord, help us. And He has all these gifts for us. And who dares to look at the Holy Spirit and say, I'll take this one, this one, this one, but you put that one back in your bag. You know what he's going to do? He's going to put them all back in his bag. You sanctimonious thing, you. Huh? Lord, help us. God, help us to be people of the book. I'm here today. You know, we used to, I used to cut kindling when I was a little boy back up at the old Lanham house. It'd be my job to go out and I'd get cedar sticks and everything and pull cedar bark off the trees because it burns real fast. 
We had no wood stove in one end of the house and no fireplace on the other end of the house and the breezeway closed up in the middle. It's a three-room house, 11 of us. Mom cooked on an old wood stove, ironed with a wood iron. We took baths in the same big old tub, one of big old tin tubs. You know what I'm talking about? And our washing machine was that thing we rubbed on. <laughs> I remember one time they washed the blue jeans and I looked the next morning. That wasn't cold either and they were standing up on their own. There wasn't no such thing as soft back then. Lord, help us. I would get the kindling to start the fire. And if God had helped me start a fire today, that's all I want to do. Is start a fire in your heart. I want to lift Him up, let the Word of God lift Him up, and tell you He's the greatest friend you'll ever have. The greatest friend you'll ever have. Look at what Jesus said. Jesus said, Terry, sit down. Don't leave Jerusalem until you be endued, until you be clothed with the Holy Spirit. Now, you think they went to that upper room thinking, well, I know when he gets here. How you feeling? You feel any different, John? Huh? You reckon maybe if they, 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 they didn't stay till the last day and they went down and someone said, well, I, I better tell them I've got it. I was filled. Didn't one of you baptize? I was baptized. Huh? Don't feel any different. Don't act any different. Jesus told them in such a way that they could expect to definitely know whether they've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Paul met a bunch of believers years after Pentecost. Now I am getting ahead of myself because I don't want to keep you very much longer. And when Paul saw them, he said, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, We haven't even heard whether they be such a thing. Now, they wasn't saying that they hadn't heard that there was a Holy Spirit. They knew. John's disciples, they knew about the promise. Surely they knew it from John. What they were saying was, we didn't know that it had been fulfilled yet. And Paul took them and said, well, yes. And before this meeting is over with, you're going to be filled. And the Bible says that before that meeting was over with, he laid hands on them and every one of them were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Every one of them received the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, would it be a foolish thing to ask somebody if they'd received the Holy Spirit if they couldn't tell whether they had or not? Would it? I mean, that's a crazy thing for, for Paul to do. What if he came into our churches and asked some of our preachers or bishops and everything, have you been baptized in the Holy Ghost? He might put people on the spot. Yeah, Paul, don't do that. Please don't do that. You upset people. Paul knew that they needed the baptism. You can't work for Christ without it. You can't pastor a church without it. You can't do anything without it. Don't leave Jerusalem. Jesus, there's people dying out here. I said, sit down and wait. 
The good news is we don't have to wait now. He has come. Glory be to God. Be ye filled with the Spirit of God. Glory be to God. It is a definite experience. I don't know why, but ever since a young preacher, I think the first meeting I ever held was for Brother Ray. Wet behind the ears. I just opened my Bible, start preaching at Genesis, and end up at Revelation. Went from there to a free Methodist church to a Methodist church down the road and held a meeting. Then I get calls to Western churches and Nazarene churches and Church of God and Church of God in Christ and Pentecostal Holiness Church and one time a Presbyterian church and again a Nazarene churches and full gospel churches and all black churches and all white churches. I don't know why God was opening the door, but He gave me a flavor for several different denominations. And I come away believing that we just differ in terminology. If your heart is right with God, if you seek the Lord your God with all your heart, you will be overtaken of Him. You don't need Jesus and something else. Get in love with Jesus because He's the Holy Spirit baptizer. Love Him. And you'll walk right into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to tell you Tuesday night what you need to do. How's that? I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. Not what Glenn says. Not what the free Methodist says. Not what any denomination says. But I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. And I will assure you, if you do what the Bible says, at the end of doing those things, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you listening to me? God's Word is not right if you're not. If you do what the Word of God says, you will receive the blessing, the gift, the inheritance of the Holy Spirit. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Man, I can't keep it from you. I've got to share it. It has to be shared. Philip went down to Samaria. And I'm going to come to a close. And the Bible says that Philip held a meeting down in Samaria. You know who Philip was? He was the deacon, first deacon. He was elected to wait on tables to take care of the widows and, and, and the elderly people and all that. But the Bible says he was full of the Holy Spirit. King James said he was full of the Holy Ghost. And so he went down to Samaria and he began to preach. And the Bible says that demons were cast out. Amen? Lame people began to walk again. The Bible says that all kinds of miracles took place. The Bible says that people were saved. The Bible says there was great joy. You're talking about joy this morning. There was great joy in Samaria. The Bible says they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But they heard back at Jerusalem that these saved people, these Christians, these that had demons cast out of them, these that had been healed, these that had been water baptized, man, we'd open the church and pack them in, wouldn't we? Truly. They're good people. They're God's people. They're Christians. But back at Jerusalem, the word came back that the Holy Spirit had fell on none of them. Isn't that something? And so Peter and John went down to Samaria and laid hands on them. And the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now at Cornelius' house, they were saved. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they were water baptized sometime later. You don't have to wait 
Some people say, well, in my church they teach us that you can receive it all at the same time. Well, I guess scripturally you can't. Cornelius' house did. I guess scripturally you can't. But there is a difference between being born of the Spirit and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't preach a sermon. Jesus didn't do a miracle. Jesus didn't begin His ministry until He stepped in that water and John the Baptist baptized Him and the heavens opened and the love of the dove of the Holy Spirit of God came down and that dove landed upon Him. The Bible says Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. He was filled without measure. And then the Bible says the Spirit drove Him into the wilderness and He was tested, tempted of the devil. And then the Bible says He came out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit proclaiming the kingdom of God saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He never preached. He never did anything without the Holy Spirit. Now, if He's our example, shouldn't we do the same? Look at the disciples. Jesus said, you're clean, Peter. You don't need to be washed. They were clean. They were clean. And Peter said, we're cleansed by the incorruptible Word of God. They'd been cleansed by God's Word. They were Christians. Peter said, Lord, I'll go with you even unto death. Next thing you know, he's cutting somebody's ear off in the garden. They're falling asleep, Peter, James, and John. When Jesus asked them, please stay awake with me. Their flesh is weak and they fall asleep. I'll go with you even unto death, he said. When Jesus is arrested, they all run off. They all go off somewhere else. And then later on, Peter is sitting by the fire while Jesus is being smoked and spit upon. And they said, you're one of him, them. We know you. The Bible says that Peter said, no, I'm not. And he cursed. You see, he thought, I can go with him even in death. I love him so much, I'll be willing to die with him. But he didn't have what it took to do the job. And then on the day of Pentecost, when the heavens opened and the dove of the love of God came down and they were all baptized with the Holy Spirit of God, Peter stood up in Acts 2 and he began to proclaim the cross and he began to proclaim the Lamb of God, the Christ of the cross, dead, crucified, buried, risen the third day for our justification. And he says, you are the ones that done it. You have crucified the Lord of glory. Their hearts were pricked. And they said, what should we do? What can we do? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the promise of the Father for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are for all, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. It's not just for the Jews. It's not for just the Jews alone. It's for all of us. We're all the called of God. The Bible says 5,000 souls were swept into the church. What do we want to do? I'm going out to witness. The turn of the 1900s. 
There was a division in the church. I hate to say it. I don't know to what degree. I really haven't studied. I believe in a second definite work of God. I'm part of the Free Methodist Church today because I believe in holiness. I couldn't go anywhere else. I'd be ruined. I believe that He sanctifies us holy. He purifies our heart. As a matter of fact, Peter talked to Cornelius. He said, God purifying their heart the same way He did us in the beginning. But a lot of Methodists, if not all, began to make a division between the heart purity and the baptism for witness and service. All the Scriptures I've shared with you today deal with witnessing and serving Christ. Many of them will touch on the heart purity side. It's just as much in there for heart purity as it is for witnessing and serving the Lord Jesus Christ in the building of His kingdom. But if we leave this side out over here, our churches are small. We're struggling to do the work of God. Folks, we can believe both. The Bible teaches both. Hello? We can believe, I can still preach heart purity because it's in the Bible. He'll sanctify you holy spirit, soul, and body, being preserved blameless for how long? Until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is He that calleth you who also will do it. Hallelujah! And I can preach, be ye baptized with the Spirit of God. Be empowered with the Holy Ghost and fire so that when you go out witnessing, the flesh takes a back seat and the Holy Spirit takes the front seat and Jesus is lifted up and the church is set on fire. Stand with me if you will, please. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Lord, it's not a I hope so experience. But it's an I know so experience. It's an I know so experience. I wonder this morning, heads about. Is there somebody here this morning that you just got a little bit hungry? (laughs) You see, to be properly right, biblically right, there's only one baptism with the Holy Spirit. But they were baptized in, in Acts 2. And then the Bible says they were filled in Acts 4. The same people that were baptized were refilled. You know, you can be refilled over and over and over again. Paul says we hold this treasure in earthen vessels. And they're cracked, folks. I don't know how many times I've had to go back and said, Lord, would you do it again? Lord, I'm having a hard time at this church. They don't like me and I don't like them. (laughs) Would you do it again? Would you do it again? How many would come to this altar this morning and say, Brother Potts, I just want to be a seeker, maybe for the first time, maybe for the third time, maybe for the fourth time. I want to come and kneel and ask God to do it again. (laughs) 
I'm gonna ask God to do it again. <laughs> oh God, do it again. I believe your word, Lord. I'm received the faith this morning. I believe your word, the promises to me and to my children and to all that are wrong. <laughs> oh God, my son needs this, my daughter needs this. My neighbor needs this, oh God. The Democrats need it. The Republicans need it. The Independents need it. Nancy Pelosi needs it. <laughs> oh, God, would you do it again? Oh, he'll do it. He'll do it. He'll do it. He'll do it. Don't doubt him. Don't doubt him in the least bit. Just like you draw a breath, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's a promise from the Father. And Jesus said, I believe, but you're going to be better off because He's going to come. And I'll be so much real in your life when He gets here. He's here. He's here this morning, saints. Those around this altar, those that are still in the pew right now, just utter that voice up to God and say, I'm hungry. I want you to know Brother Glenn's hungry this morning. This old COVID-19 has been hard. This is the first time I've preached in a long time. Heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure. Doctors and nurses calling me, telling me not to go out of the house. They're scared to live in daylights out of here. Jesus loves you. 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 I'm going to join you this morning. I'm a seeker for another feeling, okay? I'm a seeker for another feeling. Maybe you're going to get the first feeling, the second feeling, the fourth feeling, but I'm a seeker for another feeling. Don't you give up until something outside yourself, something apart from yourself, the breath of God, the dew of heaven comes over you and floods your soul. I remember the first time God came into an old truck I was in on Highway 41 in between Smyrna and Murfreesboro, Tennessee. It was like waves of electricity that went through my body. <laughs> Do it again. Do it again. I remember when I was filled. I didn't feel a thing. I said, Lord, as you receive Christ Jesus, walk ye in Him. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I began to praise God. The next day I went to work, and I was working in Nashville, living in Murfreesboro, and I didn't make it to Nashville. He came. The Lord in whom you seek shall suddenly come to His temple. <laughs> Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Here come! Don't give up! Don't give up! Don't give up! Be ye filled with the Spirit of God. You will know it. It is definite. It is definite. You will know it.